went to the woods because I wanted to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. My name is Nigel McGuinness and this is my unconventional life. It's a podcast, it's a journal, and in a way it's kind of a personal ad. But most of all, it's about navigating the treacherous waters of love, sex and relationships in 2016. Sponsored by nobody right now. Every week I detail my own journey and discuss my own untraditional views and aspirations in that world. Whatever the topic, whoever the guest, it all comes back to one question. How do we best find and express love in 2016? Welcome back. Week three of my unconventional life. It's exciting. (laughs) Well, I just realized I need to get names my prospective parenting partners because keep saying prospective parenting partner is a bit of a mouthful but as I said last week I don't know if I'm really able to use their name in a public forum so until I get that all clear from them I should just come up with some imaginary names so the one who lives down in San Diego we will call her Supermom. <laughs> and the one who's currently in Germany, we will call her Goldilocks. Silly names, really, but they'll do for now. And I suppose it's uh, a bit flippant to talk about Goldilocks. Um, after the sort of email conversations we've had this week, as I said last week, um, I emailed a very detailed message about my concerns about moving forward this summer to have kids. And as I said, one of the large ones was that I really needed to spend three to six months with somebody to really get to know them at their worst as well as their best before wanting to move forward in something as serious as making them the commitment to have children together. But she wrote back and uh, unfortunately that's just not within a timeline. Because of her age, this summer is just going to be the last chance she has to make embryos of her own. Um, she's got to the stage now where it's really this summer or nothing. And she has other embryos that she wants to implant uh, sometime in the future. There's not the same sort of time clock ticking for that. But it's just for me, I need more time to get to know somebody, you know. Yeah, I really do. And the truth of the matter is, you know, potentially that unwillingness to move forward at this juncture could cost me the opportunity to have kids. I've got to be honest with that. I've got to be careful. I've got to just admit that that might happen. You know, I've got to be okay with that. My mum is in town for the next week or two. It's been nice. I always love having my mum visit. It's, uh, it's great. We have a good time. Actually, we haven't really been doing that much because I've been working. Uh, and so, 
most of the time uh, we just do something during the day before I head out to work and then um, she sort of potters around the place pops over to the grocery store has a few cups of teas and uh, by the time I get back she's fast asleep in bed and then I sort of nestle down on the couch and uh, actually sleep better on the couch than I do in my own bed so it's been nice it's been good to be close to her again and uh, you know as I've always said it was because of her love and my dad's love that I have this sort of freedom to pursue a less conventional life and for that I'll always be thankful. But of course um, having my mum here means that dating is uh, a little bit on the back burner. Although let's be honest even before she was here it's really just not high up on my priority list right now because I'm just so busy with everything else with with working and recording this podcast doing my blog. Uh, just got so many other things going on in my life it's very difficult to find the time to date. You know, there are girls that I like, um, but the truth is, logistically wise, you know, a lot of them just aren't close to me here in Los Angeles. I say a lot of them, it's not really a lot of them, but some of them just too far away logistically. But it's just, there just doesn't seem the time to meet up for a coffee, even. Uh, It takes weeks over here in Los Angeles to find a time where you can both fit together, you know. The irony, of course, is here I am trying to be polyamorous, and uh, I can't even be monoamorous. <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous, but there you go. It's my unconventional life. I've had another potential match on Mod Amelie, one of the parenting partnership websites. She is a lawyer and 39 years old and from Sherman Oaks. Now, obviously, I need to respect people's privacy and I won't give any more identifying details, but even if I wanted to, I couldn't, because this is one of the unfortunate things about a lot of the people who are on these websites, is that's all the information there really is about them. There's no pictures, there's a few more lines of information about, hey, I'm looking for a guy, I'm open to a potential romantic relationship as well, maybe their religion, But the reality is, it's not enough to make a really sort of informed decision whether you want to even move forward. And I get it, you know. I understand that perhaps some of these people are worried about being identified by friends or family. But do you really think that's enough to get somebody's interest, you know? I think if you're going to do this, you've got to go, (laughs) I was going to say balls deep, but you've got to jump in with both feet. That's the truth, you know. You've got to sort of like put it out there and maybe that's easier for me to say because I'm a guy and you know I don't have to worry about upsetting friends and family or losing a job uh, over my lifestyle choice I get it I understand but the reality is just putting a few lines out there with no picture it's just it's really only going to attract people who are just out there to fuck and try and have a kid and then not be part of that kid's life at least the way that's the way I see it you know And the truth is, I just believe in equality of the sexes, you know. Even when it comes to traditional dating, girls are always... You go on these online dating sites, right? And girls are always on there saying, like, don't just text me saying, yo, what's up? Or how you doing? Or nice boobs or anything else like that, you know. Like, pick something else about them and write about it and, you know, then I'll write back to you. But the truth of the matter is that most girls get between 50 and 100 messages on these dating websites every single day. And so the reality is, 
you know, you don't really get the chance to make that much of an impact. And they will say, well, if you write something about me and you read my profile, you will make an impact and you will be different. But I don't buy it because every one of those that I've been on, I've done exactly that. I've gone through and I've picked girls off there that I thought were, yes, attractive, but also had a lot going for them in terms of their personality and what they said. I thought we'd be good fits emotionally as well as just physically. And I wrote long emails to them explaining who I was and everything else and never got one reply. So maybe I'm just an ugly bastard. I don't know. What can you do? I'm just, uh, I think, you know, we're at an age now where I think, um, maybe I'm not going to get any fans for this, but I think we should be at the stage where the way that guys date and the way that girls date should be the same. I mean, we both want the same thing. Whether you want a traditional monogamous relationship, whether you want a polyamorous relationship, you want the same thing. You want a deep, meaningful relationship with someone you care about. And the reality is, that doesn't come easy. It takes a lot of work. And just making yourself look nice and putting a profile up there, yeah, you're right, it is enough and you're going to get a lot of guys contacting you, but you've really got to weed through the shit. But what do I know? I'm just angry and disappointed. <laughs> anyway, it's another week. Um, I'm happy. I'm okay. Life isn't bad. I've got a lot to be thankful for. I really do. This should be a good interview. I hope you enjoy it. The interview this week is part one of an interview with one of my best friends in the entire world and a guy who I always go to for advice, Mr. Andrew Reyes. Of all the people that I've sort of interviewed so far, he's, I think, perhaps the one who would be playing devil's advocate to the opposite viewpoints that I have and that's why I always go to him for advice because he's he's right almost all of the time you know he's smart he's really he just figures shit out and he can be an objective mind when I'm having a trouble figuring things out I am forever blessed to have met him at jiu-jitsu and uh, have a friend that I can go to in times of need and always rely on and uh, wonderful wonderful human being uh, a wonderful person to talk to and uh, a blessing to have in my life. So here's part one of my interview with Andrew Reyes. So my friend, welcome to my unconventional life. Thank you, thank you. Well, I say welcome, actually you're very familiar with my unconventional life because I've talked to you about it. Um, Some might argue that I'm the nexus for your unconventional life. What does nexus mean? Well, the central point, the starting point, the origin of it. Before mm. me, you were sort of a moth in a cocoon <laughs> of a relationship. But since me, you have pecked your way out of it and spread your wings into so many more imaginable ways. It's been less than 30 seconds and already we have got to the <laughs> crux of your neurosis. Unfortunately, this isn't your podcast. I might take it over by the end of it. Let's hope this not. This is going to become pirate radio any second now. All right. Well, listen, um, it's good to have you on and uh, I thought it was very important to have you on because you're actually one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast in the first place and you're also one of the reasons I do a, a lot of the things that I've done in my life because... It wouldn't take very long of knowing you to find out that you really are a very smart person. Brilliant, and some would say. <laughs> I don't necessarily mean like book smarts, although you might be. You did all right on the pub quiz when we played last time. 
But in terms of like life decisions and the choices that you make, whenever I've got a difficult choice, you're really the first person I come to. And I don't know whether that's from your upbringing or whatever else, but um, it's a good skill set to have. Uh, and because of that, obviously, I've sort of been very open and talked about my hopes and aspirations when it comes to love and, and, and sex and being a parent. And, uh, you know, I've tried to do my best to, to listen to your advice. So Broad strokes, you know, I've talked about these subjects a lot with you. Broad strokes, what do you think is my motivation for trying to lead an, an unconventional life? Yeah, listen, you know, <laughs> there's a certain box that everyone tries to put you in, put people in, that says this is the way you love, this is the way you fuck, this is the way you do this, that, or the other. And I think a lot of us try to adhere to that real strictly for a long time. And then there comes a point after that where we rebel because we've realized it hasn't quite worked the way we thought it would. And then we make some decisions that maybe aren't the best. And then hopefully after that, we hit some sort of equilibrium. And I think for you, you've, you've kind of gone through the first two phases and, and now you're, you're searching for your equilibrium. You're, you're looking for the lifestyle that works for you. So you can actually feel comfortable and confident and, and find happiness, however that may present itself. But do you think what I'm doing is a, a bad idea? I mean, in an ideal world, what do you think is the best game plan for me to be happy in terms of dating and happy in terms of being a parent? Well, I've always said that the ideas of monogamy and a non-monogamous lifestyle, I don't really think there's a right or wrong answer to that. That's sort of up to the individual. But I think that's the point to sort of focus on. You have to be very true and honest with yourself. And you have to look at, A, not only how you feel, but that's only one part of the equation, but also how you react and what your behaviors are. And if your behaviors are aligning with your emotions, for example, if I want to be skinny, but I can't help but eat cupcakes, I may say that I want to be skinny and fit all day long, but my behaviors aren't leading me towards that goal. Mm. So if you feel like, a monogamous relationship isn't the right fit for you, then I think that you have to some degree tweak the way you approach any relationship. It's kind of dangerous territory to make someone feel like they're the only one when they're not the only one. Absolutely. But I know we've talked before and I've mentioned it on other interviews that I've done. When do you sort of expound on your viewpoints in terms of dating and relationships? Because everybody I talk to within the poly community says as soon as you possibly can certainly on the first date and I've found that to be rather divisive and and I'll tell you the problem that I have with it the problem that I have with it is that there may be someone out there that after they've got to know me a little bit after a bit of time and hear about these ideas not when they first meet me but after talking to me and getting to know me and sort of bringing that barrier down a little bit go you know, maybe it's not ideal, but it opens their eyes to it. Well, I, you know, I, I understand the standpoint of people in the polyamorous community because they don't want you to lead someone on. And right. and, and that's and that's respectable. Great. That being said, while that might be ideal from one standpoint, the standpoint of not leading someone on or, or just sort of getting it out of the way, you have to be prepared for the results, which means exactly what you said. It's going to turn most people off. Right. So you're you're not giving people the opportunity to understand it because you might as well tell them you have a giant wart on your cock. Right. You know, they're just turned off immediately. Shit, I better not tell them that then. Don't tell them that part. <laughs> you can tell them the polyamorous part. Just don't tell them about the cock until it's at least three inches in. All right. After that, I think you're safe. <laughs> Maybe four. 
Yeah. Squeeze a fourth to run in. Um, put in twice. <laughs> but <laughs> here's the thing also. Are those people in the polyamorous community who are telling you this, people who are tr- starting this for the first time? Or do they have established relationships and not, not just romantically, but just communally that yeah. they can fall back on? Well, yeah, a, a lot of them do. I mean, they're, they're across the broad spectrum, but the ones who have more experience, and it's not really, half of it is what you say, and that is that you don't want to lead anybody on and upset anybody that you care about, and that's my biggest concern. Um, but the other part is you don't really want to waste your own time and try and pursue a relationship with somebody that's never going to be happy living in the way you want. But as I talked to about my other friend who used to be polyamorous, well, actually, strictly speaking, still is polyamorous, but is in a monogamous relationship. And just to clear it up, at least with the terms that I'm au fait with, when it comes to polyamory, you can be in a monogamous relationship. You can only be seen with one person, yet still be polyamorous. I think to be polyamorous means that you choose to be monogamous because that's ideally what's best for you in this relationship versus you do it because that's what society expects or that's what your girlfriend expects. Well, sure. It's like being in a lot of instances, people who identify with being bisexual doesn't necessarily mean that they're constantly both with men and women. Mm. They may choose right. to be in a relationship with one or the other but they're open to both. Yeah, I, I get it. I just think that if you're going to be that hard-lined, for lack of a better term, you got to be willing to know that you're going to turn most people off, which means that you're going to spend a whole lot of time, right. yeah, not pursuing something that's not going to go anywhere, but also not pursuing anything because you're fishing from a much smaller pool. Well, this is it, and, and this is kind of where I'm sort of at. But I've said this to you before. I think a term that's like more common or more acceptable which is I'm not willing to date seriously. Mm. I'm not looking to be in a committed relationship. I'm right. not really willing to to be committed to one person. Yeah. Those are terms that people understand. Sure. And don't necessarily shut the door in the same way. Now, is that maybe giving false hope down the line? Perhaps. But like I said, you don't know that you that in the process of learn, getting to know this person that you might not say, no, I'm cool with this person for right now. Exactly. And and you would never have understood that exactly. if you had waved the flag, you know, bravely yep. right ahead of time. I'm vegan right now. And I've been vegan in the past and I've been a meat eater in the past. And when I was younger, I kind of was a flag waver with that. And I was straight edge and I was vegan and I was very proud of that and I waved it very proudly. I was lucky that I mostly existed in a, in a community that was open to that. But when I branched out of that, what I found was it just turned a lot of people off and it came off kind of pretentious and it came off, you know, it, mm. it fell into stereotypes that people are used to. So now more often than not, I'm more prone to when I first meet someone just say, oh, I don't need meat, you know? Yeah. Or again, and, and it's just, just so that you allow a little bit of time to just sort of get to know someone before you just jump in and whip your dick out. Yeah, it makes sense for sure. You know, I just think it's a question of, you don't lie about it, but let things happen organically. Why volunteer this information? Why it's, it's you know, if you had a sexual fetish, you wouldn't tell someone about that straight away. Wait, you're not supposed to do that? You think that I'm limiting myself by trying to only date non-monogamous people. Yeah, I do. I yeah. do. I, I do because also... I mean, you are by na- by its very definition. Of course, you are. Yeah. Right. Because there's only so many. I don't know what the percentage is, but there's only so many people who are po- polyamorous, right, or non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you are. That that also being said, I, I just think there's a lot to be said for getting to know someone, 
and, yeah. and making the decision after the fact. And I think that using less strong language to define yourself is a way to get to know someone and make a decision on whether or not it's even worth you having to explain what polyamory yeah, means. It's smart. It's definitely smart for sure. A hundred percent. I mean, so there was a time in your life where you were dating more than one person at the same time. And it wasn't necessarily what we'd call polyamory or consent or non-monogamy in the sense you didn't have a discussion about it, but it was kind of understood because you were just dating. That's what yeah. people do when they date, you know, and, and you were reasonably happy then and you enjoyed your life and it was kind of a cool way of, of living. And obviously now you're happily married. So what was it that made that change? What was it about being married and being with one person for the rest of your life that grossly outweighed the potential of sleeping with however many girls? I think that it wasn't, uh, I never looked at it that way. I never looked at it as being monogamous or, or having the opportunity to sleep with more women. I never looked at it that way. Hmm. I slept and or dated with multiple people at one time because just to be very frank, they weren't the kind of person I wanted to only be with. You know, they 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 might have been interesting enough to date casually and entertaining enough to have a sexual relationship with, but they weren't what I was looking for in a in a more long term mate. And so I've gone through periods where I was serious about someone. I'm very serious about them, and when I'm not, I'm I'm free to reign. You know, right. And so I think that it wasn't a decision to leave the opportunity to sleep with more women. It was just that I met someone who fill the criteria of, of the kind of person that I'm drawn to and attracted to and interested in and always engaged with that I kept pursuing and you keep pulling the thread on the sweater and you just, it becomes a very natural next step to become committed and then become, you know, move in together. And then right. neither, neither myself nor my wife really intended to ever be married. Um, I don't think we ever really thought of that in our long-term futures before mm. we met each other. But again, it wasn't, it wasn't a decision to get married. It wasn't a decision to be in a relationship. It was just, oh, hey, I like you. And here we are, you know, four or five years later, hmm. still liking each other. So, what was the moment? Was there one moment where you went, man, I could marry this person? Well, there was definitely, when I first met my wife, it was on a movie set and it was a purely sexual relationship that lasted about three days. Well, three nights to be exact. Three very long nights for exciting <laughs> Real seeking nights. <laughs> Not according to her. Uh, that, well, she's married to me, so they must have been pretty good. Uh, and then, as per usual at that time in my life, I was like, okay, don't want to get too attached. Started to back off a little bit. And then somehow it got around on set that we had slept with each other. And that irked me. And I kind of blew her off, to be very frank. And I ended up, uh, you know, sleeping with another girl. I didn't sleep with her, actually, technically. I just hooked up with another girl who also worked on that set. So absolutely nothing about me should have said marriage material. It wasn't until a year later that I came back out to Los Angeles for work that I said, uh, you know, I don't know if I really gave that girl a fair shake. I really should get to know her. And I don't know anyone else out here. And she was plenty nice. And, you know, I wasn't really proud of the way I had behaved. So I felt like I if she was open to it, would be nice to just get to know sure. this person. Um, and so we did. And quickly thereafter, it became a, a sexual relationship again for a good two or three months while I was out here working. Right. The entire time, I don't think either of us intended to be in a relationship. In fact, she had a, a coworker even ask her, like, do you think this could go somewhere? And she was like, fuck no. <laughs> Absolutely not. This guy, this guy just like banged me last year and left. Like, of course not. This is just for fun. <laughs> yeah. But but lo and behold, 
again, as these things occur, you start to inevitably spend a little bit more time out of the bedroom and you start to hang out mm-hmm. more and you just start to find out that, oh, this person is really interesting or engaging or, oh, this person has this trait or that trait that I really like. Right. But was and, there a moment? Well, I, there, was a, there was a moment when I realized I really liked her on a more serious level. Which was what? We were in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever really hung out with her friends and her. And it was, I, I think this is a this is a, a, a turning point for most relationships when you go on their first vacation, right? Mm. So I was about to go back to Texas where I lived at the time. And we, we did one last weekend away. We went to Vegas and, I, and we went with her friends. And it, so it, the whole setup felt more like one that would exist in a relationship, right? Yeah. And I liked her friends and that's always an important step. I was like, oh, her friends are really cool, right? So now I like this girl. She's cool. And her friends are cool. Great. I remember we were at we were at a club, and ironically enough for me, it was called Vanity. And I was I was probably a few drinks in, and I remember texting my friend who had introduced us. Oh fuck! I really like this girl, and and I don't remember what specifically that night made me think that, yeah. other than alcohol. But I just realized, ah, uh, you know, I really this this person has has moved beyond someone I simply enjoyed sleeping with and occasionally hanging out with. It was right. someone who I I really enjoyed their company and on and was starting to develop real romantic feelings. But there was a there was a moment where you decided to propose. There was, but but even to backtrack a little bit, when I knew it was going to get serious was when we went I went back to Texas and we were talking via Skype and what have you and, and maybe two weeks later she she very sleepily and I think very strategically said <laughs> Well, I'm not gonna. Well, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but something to the effect of like, you know, if you if you sleep with anyone else while you're out there, I just rather would not know. And I said, well, you know, I'd rather not know also. And in fact, it sounds like neither of us really wants the other person to sleep with anyone anyone else. So yeah, why don't we just not? And she's like, okay, fine. It was kind of it was kind of just like that. I was like, sure. listen, neither of us really want. It doesn't sound like either of us really yeah. are are interested with sleeping with anyone else. So let's just not. Right. You know, why are we trying to appease this other, the idea that this other person might want to go do it? If they want to do it, then, then they could just say it. And then, um, and, and I don't remember if I've ever told Christine this, so this might be the first time she hears it, but I had an opportunity to sleep with someone, potentially a threesome, actually, if I'm being very honest. Wow. And it was a girl that I had used, I used to talk off and on with via, phone but I'd never really done anything with her and she told me she was out with uh, she's bisexual and she was out with her girlfriend and they invited me out which should indicate what their intentions were and I feigned a cold to avoid going out because I felt <laughs> that in love with what I realized was love with my now wife I was just like I'm sure it would be a lot of fun but I just don't want to I just don't want that I want yeah. what I have in Los Angeles and even though I don't know when I'm going to move out there that's what I want to be around. And so I, I pretended to have a cold and I blew off the night. And then shortly thereafter, I got work out in Los Angeles. And then we I stayed with her that trip. So we're basically living with each other. And and I think it was maybe four or five months after that where we're now rounding about a year of dating when I realized this, this person sort of checks all the boxes of what I'm looking for. Yeah. And it wasn't that deliberate or cold. And it feels a little unromantic, but... You just, you just, no. you just sort of feel like this person makes you feel sort of. I hate the word comfortable because that sounds like settling, but no. com- comfy. I think is the better word. Sure, this person feels comfy when it you're fit. around them. Yeah, it's a really good fit. Yeah, 
I've been there myself, you know, and I've gone into relationships in that place. Um, I guess the question then really is, because before you said that, you know, when you were just sleeping with girls or whatever, it was because you didn't really like them enough. They weren't interesting enough to be more serious with. Mm-hmm. Do you think then that's the same with me? Do you think that really um, if I met someone, I really did like them and they were really interesting to me and different and cool and, and hot and sexy and those sort of things that I would by my nature or do you think it would be natural to say, hey, I don't want to see anybody else? Or do you think that it could be different for other people, i.e. other people could feel the way that you felt about Christine but not want to be monogamous. Yeah, of course. Okay. I think both. I think both are applicable. I mean, I think that you can be in love with someone. I think it's absolutely possible to be in love with someone and also sleep with other people. I also think it's not possible. It really depends on the person. Right. I think that, like you know, my wife and I have always had really open conversations about sexuality and and relationships, and you know, we've we've both had our past and. For me, the way my mind operates, I compartmentalize very, very easily. So I could sleep with someone and it just be that and still love my wife just as much. Hmm. So it's not always just because I just I never look at another woman or I never just sure. do that or the other, nor do I expect that from her. Right. But but there's there's bigger things to consider, and there's you know, there's consequences to all of your actions, mm. or or not even consequences, but maybe a reaction to all of your actions. Sure. There's other there's there starts to become over time other reasons why you don't do that. Sometimes, frankly, and again, sounds a little unromantic. You're just fucking exhausted from it. Sometimes you just don't want to fuck with it anymore. You just don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. You're just perfectly happy. Being with one person whom you never seem to get tired of, you never seem to not want to be around, and you just don't want to fuck around with it anymore, you know. And and that and that's not like a consistent like every single day, every moment of the day feeling, sure. but but as an overarching feeling, yeah, that's I think it's a hundred percent possible that you're just like you know what, I just don't feel like anything else, right? You know, yeah, which kind of leads me onto a question. I remember you sent me an article. Send me a few, but one specifically that was talking about how monogamy is an evolution from polyamory, that we are mm. naturally polyamorous, but we have evolved monogamy because of some kind of, not societal constraint, but because it has value in and of itself. What to you is the value of monogamy? Why is, is monogamy to you, other than what you said, just being tired of, of the whole being a single thing um, and being happy being with just one person? What are some of the other benefits of monogamy versus polyamory? This is, I'm sure there'll be, there will be plenty of people who will argue this point, I think, especially in the polyamorous community. I, I find it difficult to believe you can become a master of anything if you're, if you're the jack of all trades. Right. So maybe that's just my personality. So I feel like if you want to be a really great kickboxer, you can't do seven other martial art disciplines and be mm-hmm. really great at that. Right. Yeah. So I think I think one of the benefits of of monogamy is that you have the time, the, the chance to focus on one person. Right. And and by focusing on one person all of the time from a romantic standpoint, there is a certain level of intimacy that it can be met without the distractions of others. Now, again, that's not to say that you only have love for one person, but purely from a, you, 
you could get to understand someone on a level because that's your focus is the one thing. Okay. I mean, I've been reading a book called Polyamory in the 21st Century, and it actually is trying to – says that polyamory is actually a, a way of relating to more than one person at the same time, therefore developing that side of you even more than monogamy. With monogamy, you have one relationship. And that relationship works in a certain way. Certainly, if it's codependent, and you have someone who's more, um, more of the dominant, dominant person, mm-hmm. and someone more of the submissive person, then a lot of times you don't really get that chance of introspection. Because, for example, let's say you do something, and your significant other says that is bullshit and that's really stupid and you should change that and you go well it's just them I don't really know but if you've got three or four other people that you're seeing who all say the same thing then it's a lot more difficult to go you know maybe there is something to what they're saying if there's all these people are saying now you can get the same thing from serial monogamy because after three or four girlfriends telling you you know like you know you don't wash your feet in the shower they stink or I'm being facetious but the point of the matter is the more people you date the more chance to learn there is and it does become problematic because jealousy is involved yeah but. sure but also like looking in the fucking mirror will solve that equation too that there's a it's tough for a lot of people to do well that's their fucking problem well, <laughs> i mean you know what i'm saying like I, I get it i do get it yeah but i but i think what you're talking about is community yes. which which doesn't necessarily have to be romantic in nature to point out the fact that you've got again to be facetious bad hygiene agreed and frankly, if you've gone this long in your life without figuring out these bad habits, you're probably going to be, no matter how many people tell you, you're probably going to be not so open to hearing it, at least initially, anyhow. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe so, maybe so, maybe it, it can help point out, you know, if if 10 people tell you all the same thing, it's kind of hard to ignore. I, I'll buy that. But, but I would also argue that there are studies that show that multitasking lowers the ability for your, your efficiency in each area as as you increase the, the multitasking, right? So let's separate it from, from romance and love. There are studies that show when you multitask at work, you do four tasks at once at work, the efficiency of each task drops. Right. There, I mean, there are also studies, though, that say that the more mistakes you make, uh, the quicker that you learn, the more you grow um, into whatever um, facet you're trying to learn, and therefore... By nature, if you're dating three or four people at the same time, you're going to make way more of those mistakes and therefore you're going to grow as a person more. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. I think everyone does that though to some degree, but they don't necessarily call it polyamorously because you make a lot of mistakes over life with different women or men or whatever you, you're interested in. And like you said, there have been times in my life when I haven't been that interested in one person, so I've dated multiple people at once. So you can get the same result without necessarily branding yourself as I need to be able to date three people at once. Sure. You know, I think I think consistency in dating, especially if you're not waving a flag, you're going to have more luck with consistency of dating, which means by volume, right. you'll be dating more people, which means you'll be making more mistakes, yep. you'll be learning from them. They don't have you don't have to be serious with each person. No. But if you went on a date every week, right. let's let's say you you fully fell into the the monogamy camp. And I don't want to be anti-polyamory because I'm not at yes, all. Yes, but, but I just want to sort of put that perspective of why I think there are benefits to it, right? Because mm-hmm. I could talk about benefits to being polyamorous too, especially on the sexual tip. Right. But, you know, if you if you fell very snugly into the, the monogamous camp and you put that out there as most people do and you went on a weekly date, right? 52 dates a, week, a year with a different person. Mm. 
I don't know that as a as a person putting out the polyamorous flag that you're going to date even if you're allowed to do it simultaneously 52 different people. Yeah. So I think there's different ways to approach that same benefit. Certainly you can get it from polyamory, but I what it doesn't address is are you able to really master the needs and the desires of and the quirks of one person if your attention is split between three. Now that doesn't mean that split between three, and I'm just throwing that number out there arbitrarily, yeah. that you're not perfectly fine. You know, you might be at ninety percent and that might be perfectly fine. That might be better than some monogamous people do. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just I just think that if you ask right. me what a benefit of monogamy is, yeah. I, I would have to put that at the list is is that when when one's focus is focused on one thing, that's when you're really able to master and navigate that kind of relationship. Gotcha. I know we talked before, and I have friends in the poly community that believe that as a society, we are on the verge of a, a major cultural change and a revolution, hmm. uh, much in the same way as uh, the civil rights movement in the 50s, the uh, whatever amendment that is to the constitution where women could vote. 18th. There were always these ideas that, generally speaking, to the mainstream didn't make a whole lot of sense, and that's just the way things are, mm-hmm. that within a certain amount of time eventually get there. And when seeing it more now, House of Cards has a, the main couple are in a non-monogamous relationship, and little by little, this is getting a bit more mainstream. I truly believe that we are close to that change. Based on what, though? Based on the fact, and yes, I have a skewed viewpoint because now I've been trying to hang out with a lot more people and I've been reading a lot more books on this, so my worldview is going to be far more in that sort of a direction. But I guess I would say this, one of the poly meetups that I go to, it started about four or five years ago and every year it has almost doubled in size. Mm -hmm. Um, that to me shows there is a, a burgeoning interest in this. Um, I think I think that I I would I would say that that makes sense. I think that non-committed monogamy is nothing new. It just used to be called cheating, and I think that I could totally see and understand while some people are saying, "Listen, why are we fucking around and doing all this? Let's just call it what it is." We want to be able to see other people at once, so let's stop hiding behind closed doors and let's come out, right? Totally understand that. And I think, and I think that certainly in most, in, in, in more liberal areas, you're going to find it more likely to grow. Well, and more likely. That, though, I think you, what you're describing is swinging, though. No, no, it doesn't have to be swinging. I mean, not all people who cheat are cheating because they just want to fuck. Right, very few are. Yeah, I think, I think actually more often than not, people cheat because they there's something that they don't feel like they're getting at home and they seek for it elsewhere right so there and there's a certainly consequences for those actions and at a certain point you might say fuck man if i why why am i why am i going through divorces or or causing heartache or whatever why can't i why not just say it up front and just be done with it right i would bet having not gone to one of your groups uh although i do want to at some point just just out of my own curiosity that the average age is post 40 um, no, the average age is probably about 30, but they, there are, there do seem to be two groups and there is a post 40 group and there is a sort of under 30 group as well. And the reason I say that is because I feel like it's a decision that gets made after experience. And sometimes those experiences might lead you to be like, I'm, I've tried this. It's not working. It's not in my nature. I, I want something different, right? Totally understand that viewpoint, but 
that doesn't account for the number of like people in their twenties. Well, no, but but what it was, what it does do, is you have to factor in the information age. So right. there are, there are people who identify with something because it's been it's been defined to them in a way that they would not have been able to define themselves previously. For example, the the term gender fluid or or sexually fluid or the term on the spectrum are relatively new terms that we have that have become sort of I don't even want to say mainstream but more mainstream than even 5 years ago. So by very virtue of their being exposed and and put out there, someone who might not have previously thought to identify themselves one way or the other would hear that and say, oh, oh, maybe I fit in that camp. And then, you know. But isn't that a good thing? Like that yeah, is, yeah so it's you, great. You're no, not, you're it's not awesome. implying that they weren't, because to me, I would feel that someone like that before the information age, before meeting somebody and understanding the concept of gender fluidity, they'd go, I just don't fit into either thing. Yeah, I'm not 100%. really happy. And now there's something, oh, great, fantastic. Well, that's what, I, that's what I was trying to get to earlier is that a lot of people are like, they're just tired of it, their life not working because because the rules weren't applying to them properly, right? right. But, but where I would tap the brakes a little bit is, is when I think there's this grand revolution coming. Well, you mentioned and, before. And the, but the, the big thing, the big catalyst, I think, for a lot of these other revolutions, uh, be it women's suffrage or or be it equality for, for different races, is strife, right? If you look at big social revolutions, mm-hmm. there is a key component and that is strife. Right. One of the major turning points in the civil rights movement was television or, or that was a device was the, the big device was television and one of the turning points were uh, white middle class Americans watching largely African American and, and other minorities being hosed down having dogs sicked on them being um, brutalized by institutional you know authority and it affected them in a way that it wouldn't have affected them normally because it didn't it didn't apply to them but they right. could empathize they could empathize with other communities and so, that allowed movement um women's you know same thing with women's suffrage same thing with the vietnam right. if you look at the vietnam, yeah, the vietnam war. war and the yeah revolution of the 60s and free love and yeah i totally understand that so what you're saying is then perhaps if people who weren't monogamous were treated worse yes. in a public forum yes um, no people who are po- polyamorous so people who are polyamorous were treated worse in po- a public forum. polyamorous and non-monogamous yes Kind of, oh, yeah. sorry. I thought you said monogamous. No, no, non-monogamous. Right. Yeah. So that being the case, then really the more people that are open about their sexuality in that way or their, their love styles, their relationship choices, the better it will be for the movement as a whole. Do you well, think or not? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's better for the person. I mean, who wants to be in the closet about shit like that? Right. Um, but that being said, I think... I, I don't know that it's ever going to be met with the same strife as, and and that's not a bad thing, I, you know. But but I think right. that if I think that by being open with who you are, well, uh, but by its very nature, expose more people to it. And my, some other people who maybe wouldn't have been exposed, maybe like might say, oh yeah, that 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 fits me as well. Uh, I just don't see a big revolution coming because I don't see the the necessary catalyst for an overhaul. To that effect, I, I I was listening to a podcast recently that that said in areas where there have been rioting, mm. the period following the rioting is generally met with increased peace 
for a long period. Because again, after an eruption of violence is when social change tends to occur in a big wave. That doesn't mean that that incremental change can occur by other methods, but but when we start talk about, you know, I know 10 people now instead of five people who are identifying this way, the social revolution is coming. I don't think, I think you're forgetting that historically there needs to be some form of violence or, or suppression well, in order to cause such a massive overhaul. I certainly see that and I, they're definitely valid points. My only counterpoint would be the power of the internet and the information age to how information can move so readily now, so rapidly. Sure. And of course... You know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but there obviously are things that have happened in this country over the last 20 or 30 years that weren't the way that the mainstream media has projected it. And the majority of people could have access to that information. It is out there, but yeah. they're just not that bothered about it. But this is the difference. This is what I really feel is a difference. For them, it has very little tangible benefit for them to get to the bottom of things. What's the real truth behind this, that or the other? Who shot JFK? doesn't really matter. But if there truly is something wrong with the way that monogamy is the expected norm for absolutely everybody, then there is something extremely positive for people changing. Not to say non-monogamy is better than monogamy, but just saying that Perhaps it should be a choice, not an expectation. Well, it is a choice, not an expectation. Not to most people. Uh, well, that's not true. I mean, really? I don't think so. I mean, is it an expectation? Yeah, but it's not an expectation. I mean, who who is it an expectation from? People who want it. Right. Well, yes and no, because I truly believe and put myself in this category. If you'd have asked me, you had this conversation with me 10 years ago, I'd have gone, yeah, I'm just I'm just monogamously inclined because I don't really do casual sex. I really want to know someone and I have to care about them. If I don't care about them, I don't really want to have sex with them. But that was because I didn't know there were other options. Well, that's not true, dude. I mean, you could have not. You could have dated casually. I tried. Well, okay. It didn't work. Why didn't it work? It didn't work because as soon as I started dating somebody, we got into a serious relationship. But but you didn't have to. You I, didn't have to get in a serious relationship the moment you started dating I someone. Did, I agreed. Because agreed. I'm sure you know other people who Here's casually yes. dated. 100%. But we could have been having this conversation 50 years ago or 100 years ago about dating someone of a different race Mm -hmm. so you don't have to you can date someone of a different race but because of the way society was set up yeah but 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 see that's that's where i'm talking about the difference between strife if a hundred years ago you dated someone of a different race you probably would have been run out of town you might have been lynched right right if uh, if a hundred years ago you didn't settle down you might have maybe in certain areas been thought as a womanizer yeah but outside of that you didn't you didn't suffer the consequences of some of these other social movements, right? You just didn't. So what yeah. I what I'm saying is that with the I, I think it's great that people are saying, hey, listen, I really love this this idea that people are adopting the idea of a spectrum, which is that those things are not so black and white. Things are not one way or that way or the other. That it can be whatever it can kind of fit you properly, right? Like a suit, you tailor it to your needs as it fits you. I don't think there's an expectation to be monogamous except for by people who want to be monogamous. And predominantly in your case, I would say that most women expect that of you. But that's because that's what they want. 
because I've met women who don't want that. And those women will not have an expectation that you're monogamous. But here is the thing. I've met lots of women that say the same thing. That's what they want. They want a monogamous relationship. But when they're single, they sleep with more than one person at the same time, just in a casual way. And they say it's okay for them to have sex with more than one person at the same time, as long as they don't have feelings about them. But once you have feelings and emotions for someone, then you should only want to be with one person. Well, so it's not that they don't want, they only want to be monogamous. They only want to be monogamous with someone mm. they really care about. And it doesn't seem to be a very, I don't know, a very positive way of living as human beings. What are you talking about? Why not? It's, it's no different than anyone else. They date guys. They sleep with guys that is exactly what I said earlier. Aren't interesting enough to be in a relationship with. They're probably just good enough. They're good enough for tonight. Hey, I'm horny. I, I need a dick. And that guy will do. Or I, you know, I need to get laid. That girl will do. Sorry, this sounds callous, but that's what people do. It doesn't mean that they'd be happier or there's some sort of pressure to move them away from that. Most people that I know that have slept with multiple people, there's a reason why they ended up with one person because they weren't really at their maximum happiness with with that right because they didn't have deep meaningful relationships with those people right because they didn't they weren't built to have deep meaningful relationships with multiple people and the moment they did they just didn't have interest in anyone else was so the question is though those people could they have more than one deep meaningful sexual relationship at the same time or is it something that is inherent in them as a human being that makes that impossible How much of it is society and how much is just the way we really are truly hardwired? Well, that's it. One week closer to six feet under. Thanks for listening and being part of the journey. Drop me a line if you think you or someone you know here in Los Angeles would be a good parenting partner for me. Before you go, though, you know the deal. Like, subscribe, comment, post a review, show some love back next week but if you want to know more before then you can read my weekly blog at nigelwrestling.com forward slash blogs you can buy my t-shirts there book me for your event or a party or just send me a nice message wherever you are whoever you are i hope you find kindness and love be happy mm-hmm.